Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? Yes, I am. Let's go. Let's go first to Oregon. I think it's our first Oregon. I don't think we ever been to Oregon. I'd like to go in real life. I would too. It's supposed to be beautiful. I hear that as well. And we're going to Willamette, damn it. And I know that from the Tony Kornheiser podcast because that's a lot of wine and he was getting free wine and they're like, it's Willamette. Like, damn it. Oh. Here you go. And then we go to Chicago. Chicago. We are doing the 1992 film, A League of Their Own. Yay! And boy, I like it hold up. What was that? And boy, does it hold up. Doesn't oh. it? Continues to this day. As America's stock of athletic young men is depleted during the big war, the one to end all wars. <laughs> he thought. WW2, a professional all-female baseball league springs up in the Midwest, funded by publicity-hungry candy maker Walter Harvey. The particulars? Yes, please. A League of Their Own premiered July 1st, 1992. It's directed by Penny Marshall. Who also did I do my Penny Marshall? Who also did Jumpin' Jack Flash, which oh, we've done. so good. We did that one. Uh-huh. And Big, which we haven't done. Big was the first film directed by a woman to earn over a hundred million dollars at the box office. Bravo Penny. She also did The Preacher's Wife. And she to me, she's best as Laverne DeFazio. From Laverne and Shirley, which was a television show that ran from 76 to 1983. And it was shown in reruns when I was a kid. And oh, boy, oh boy. Shirley. So did Schlemiel, I. Schlemago, Hoffman Feff Incorporated. Yeah, that, was, that show was hilarious. It too. was. Screenplay is by Lowell Gantz and Babalu Mandel, who they were a partnership, a screenwriting partnership. And they also wrote Splash, Spies Like Us, and City Slickers, to name a few. The story is by Kelly Kendall and Kim Wilson. They made a documentary titled A League of Their Own. And it was about his mother, Helen Callaghan, who played five seasons in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. And Helen actually won the batting title in 1945. And they think they got together in the 80s. And he had never heard about this and made this documentary. And it was on TV. And Penny Marshall saw it and was like, why haven't I ever heard about Why haven't I ever heard about it? Right. It was edited by George Bowers, who also did Harlem Nights, How Stella Got Her Groove Back, and Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo, just to (laughs) name a few. The music is by Hans Zimmer, who also did Days of Thunder, Cool Runnings, The Lion King, and Dune. And the director of photography is Miroslav Andrek, who also did Amadeus, Funny Girl, and Silkwood, to name a few. Starring. As Jimmy Dugan, one Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks was 35 when he did this film. 
So he had already done Splash and Big, and then he did a string of uh, so-so films. So his career wasn't where like like now it's just Tom Hanks. We know him as Tom Hanks. But by then he had been a big star. And then he had this string of frankly duds. And so then he did this film, A League of Their Own. And then after that came, listen to this run, Sleepless in Seattle, Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, Apollo 13, and Toy Story. Back to back to back. What a run. I mean, and that's how we get Tom Hanks. It's Tom Hanks. We have Elizabeth. Or we have, I'm excuse, Wait, excuse me. Toy Story again? Toy Story? Yeah, I'm blanking. It was the he, Pixar. With he was the the Woody. The, um, Woody. I mean, I know what Toy Story. Yeah, who is he? Was Woody? Okay, that was oh, yeah. Woody. Yeah. We have Virginia Elizabeth Davis, aka Gina Davis, as Dot. She was around 36 when she did this film. She had already done Tootsie, Fletch, Beetlejuice, and Thelma and Louise. Mm. Well, she... Thelma and Louise. We haven't done that. I know. <laughs> and most recently, she's been on our, I guess more recently than that, she was in Grey's Anatomy. She's done so many things. More on her later, trust me. What was that? I said, oh, yeah, she's in Grey's Anatomy. Hmm? I, I don't watch the show, but I saw that. <laughs> was that Mac? Yeah, Mac. There you go. Drink. <laughs> we have Madonna as All the Way May. She <laughs> had already been in Desperately Seeking Susan and Dick Tracy. Um, and then she had done this. So she was already like Madonna, mm-hmm. like a prayer. Like she was already big time. Um, and then after this, I think she did Evita and other movies. Um, her, she was so good in this film, and her film career never uh-uh. matched up to this. And I think part of it was because she then just committed to being Madonna full time. Uh-huh. Um, but this film came out in July, in April, so earlier than when this film came out. In April of '92, she founded an entertainment company called Maverick in a joint venture with Time Warner. And in it, she get she got 20% of royalties, which at that time was the biggest amount of royalties that any star was getting. It was only equaled by one Michael Jackson. Oh, wow. And do not cry for Madonna because one of the people that she signed to her Maverick label was one Alanis Morissette. So that, mm-hmm. that jagged little pill, oh, yeah, that... Madonna doesn't need to do anything ever again if she doesn't want to because that was a hell of a business decision uh-huh. and I think I didn't really go into it but I think like Madonna has made solid business decisions yeah um that she's she's been a very very smart businesswoman I think yes. under underrated I would say in her business acumen we have Lori Petty as Kit she was in Point Break Point Break, Tank Girl, and Orange is the New Black. Rosie O'Donnell. Orange is the New Black. I, I knew that voice. I could not figure Wait, out. Who was that's in that? Lori Petty. It played Kit. Yeah, that's yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. The whole time I'm going, I know that voice. Black. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. This Thank you. I don't do research. I just, stayed, I just come to be surprised every, every week. <laughs> 
Ah, this is why I do it for this. Ah, I love it. Love these reactions. We have Rosie O'Donnell as Doris. This was her film debut. She Ooh. was also in Sleepless in Seattle, The Flintstones, and then she started her wildly successful daytime talk show, The Rosie yes. O'Donnell Show, and that went from 1996 to... That, oh, I have these dates wrong, because I have 06 to 02 written down. So, ha! Aaron notes! <laughs> Probably oh, 96 to 02. Yeah, something like that. Six years, wow. Yeah, it was so successful. Yeah, it, it. I remember because I was still in high school when it came out, and it was just because Oprah was kind of starting to wind down, mm -hmm. and then she came, and she had she had been a stand-up comedian, and she she had been in a league of their and sleepless, so she just had all of these things, and it was just, and she did this koosh ball thing, and it was just nice and fun, um, yeah. It, it was it was it was a huge huge hit. We have John Lovett as Ernie. Oh, I love John Lovett. Yeah. Okay, read me through his movies because there was something that I was missing. Oh, then because I just put he was in Saturday Night Live and The Critic because he pops up in so many movies. He does. Yeah. And he's amazing. Matilda. It probably. That that sounded familiar. He was he's just always in things, just yeah. popping up. Yeah. Um, David Strathairn is also another guy. This movie is full of people who just show up. Yeah. Um, he's played Ira Lowenstein. He was also in Eight Men Out, which I think we should do. L.A. Confidential and Nomadland, most recently. Gary Marshall, who is Penny Marshall's older brother, he played Walter Harvey. He directed Pretty Woman, Beaches, The Princess Diary. And then he would pop up also in all these different movies. Mm -hmm. We have Bill Pullman. He was Bob, Dot's husband. Yes, he was. That uh -huh. was a surprise. He was he, <laughs> my one of my favorite films as a little kid. Spaceballs. I loved Spaceballs. Oh man, I haven't seen that in forever. I loved Spaceballs more than I actually than Star Wars. Yeah. That was that was me. I think he you was, and your you and Eric both. Yeah. I don't think I ever saw it. It's just so silly. It's just <laughs> Mel Brooks spoofing oh, Star Wars. Uh, yeah, it's just silly. Um, Bill Pullman was also in Sleepless in Seattle and most recently the television show The Sinner. Yes. And this, I was like, what? I know that face. Taya Leone. I know. She was a Racine baseball player. I think she was listed as the first baseman or person nowadays. But she went on to co-star in Bad Boys, and she was in Deep Impact. One of the shows that I, I liked, I thought she was going to be the next uh, great TV comedian, like uh, yeah. Penny Marshall or Lucille Ball. She was just really, could do physical comedy, and she was in a show called The Naked Truth. I mm -hmm. think it was on ABC. And then most recently, she was in a show called Madame Secretary. Yes. So, and... There were so many other people in this film, but I just capped it at that, and those are your particulars. Well done. Well, the movie starts with a middle-aged woman in the suburbs packing a suitcase. Her adult daughter puts a baseball glove in her suitcase. Oh, we're calling her a middle-aged woman? 
Okay. She was a late middle-aged woman. I'm saying, wait, what? Wait, who are you saying is middle-aged? The, um, the, um, Gina Davis character at the beginning when she's- Old lady, what are you talking? She was an old lady. (laughs) The daughter's (laughs) middle-aged. Mila's an old lady. But you know what? She wasn't that old. Because I think if you do the math, she was like in her 60s. What did I say? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, we'll talk once you get closer to 40, my dear. Because <laughs> even I'm like, how dare you? I thought you were saying the daughter was middle-aged. The daughter was middle-aged. I, I would argue she was younger middle-aged. She was younger. There you go. I got news for you. I got news for you, young. Because yeah, middle age is 50. Middle age is Oh, because everybody, yeah, not everybody's living to be 100. Well, 2022, so they should give it the program. Why are we even, why are we even just decide? It's just a woman who's been around all, all the earth for longer than other people, mostly. And her daughter says, you don't even know what you did, do you? And so, um. So she's got dementia? She. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, listeners, it's just you and me right now. So, um, she, she was in this female baseball league. We don't know this at the time, but, um. She she didn't feel like she made a big difference with that. She didn't feel like that was a big deal, but it really was. It was a very big deal. <clears throat> and honestly, they don't really touch on. They just kind of touch on it. But she's grieving. She's a she's a recent widow. Her husband had passed away in the in the winter, so ah. she's still in a. She's still in the grieving process. Okay. And that makes you look older. Um, <laughs> well, okay. We'll get to that later. Will you give it a rest? <laughs> we are transported back to the wartime America. And we see movie scope news. And it talks about um, how male baseball players are on their way to the war. And so baseball is just going to shut down. And we find out that Dottie, the old woman, and her sister were highly competitive. A baseball scout shows up at their farm, talking them into trying out for a female league. What could go wrong? There you you have it. Buckle in. This is available on Amazon Prime to watch right now. For free? I suggest it. it. I, I, it's the, it's the, it's the, the dog days of summer. It's a perfect dog days of summer film. Mm -hmm. So we are to POC and there are three different times that I see people of color in the background. Yes. So you, we have eight band members at the Suds Bucket, which was the club. So they're musicians entertaining the white people. We have 
I counted about, this was interesting, because in the background, there was, like, two or three black people in the crowd, but mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that black people were segregated. Yeah, that was really surprising to me, that they because, were all together. Yeah, the they, used, they usually put them out in the outfield, like, the white people got the grandstands with the shade and whatnot, and the black mm -hmm. section was usually um, not shaded. Um, and then we have the scene where there's four men and three women in a montage scene. And, of course, we will get to that later. So I counted about, question mark, give or take, 14 people of color mm -hmm. in this film. I didn't see any Asian representation or mm -hmm. anything else, but no people with different capabilities. So... That that is that's America, and so we are to cast. Now there is a scene where there are uh, there are a couple women and maybe three black men at the ball field. Four, okay, and uh, a ball goes to the woman. She throws it back, and and whoever catches it has to shake their hand because she. Obviously, she should have been able to be included in the female baseball league, but because of segregation, she couldn't be. I have some information on that. Please go. If this is the right time. Mm -hmm. um, yes, it was. Uh, black women were not allowed to play for the AAGPBL, American Girls Professional Baseball League. And may I just... I'm sorry, but I'm old, so I'm allowed. Um, G stood for girls. They were women. No, I have that in my negative. They kept calling them girls. I'm yeah. Like, okay. Um, and it never, and the sport never integrated. <clears throat> but I read an article on SABR50. No, SABR.org. Don't know what that stands for something about baseball and it talks about three women who uh, played with in the, in the Negro League three black women uh, wait TD oh because I want to add on so there was this guy because yes the league that this is they it black people um weren't allowed to play, but this guy, Carl Wentz, he was a manager of the South Bend Blue Sox from 1951 to 1954, and he, quote, claimed, quote, we had a few blacks try out, but they just weren't as good, and then he reconsidered, and then he thought about it, and then he said, quote, if the league tried harder, shook more bushes, as they used to say, we might have come up with someone. And then I know that there's so there's somebody that you're going to talk about now, Mamie Johnson. She and yeah. a friend, they actually went to try out and they were sent away. Take it away, T. Yes. So Mamie Johnson, she traveled, she and her friend Rita traveled to Alexandria, Virginia for tryouts. Oh, wrong move. And she described standing there with her baseball glove and she and Rita were the only people of color. And Johnson said they looked at her and Rita, but said nothing. They wouldn't give us the opportunity to even try out. Um, so, Lindsay goes, you know, black women can neither play baseball with white women nor with men of any race. 
But the upheavals of post-war America would create an unexpected opportunity for them within the Negro Leagues. Um, so then it talks about, <clears throat> like, then the actual, the baseball team, I don't know if it was the MLB then or what, but the major, yeah, it was, major league baseball teams started basically poaching all of the good players. So obviously Jackie Robinson signed with the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1945. Um, And then by 1953, increasing numbers of black players were signing MLB and minor league contracts. Um, so baseball was like having this big, not reliable, but popularity thing. And people could listen to it on the radio and things like that. But as more Negro league stars moved to the major leagues, many of their fans switched their allegiance and money to MLB teams. So it just got to the point where like, they were just trying, but the early 1950s, only six teams are left in the Negro American league. Um, So they were just trying anything to get people to come play. So that was when black women were allowed to play with the boys. Um, So there was one woman, um, uh, Tony Stone. Yeah. Marcinia, I think was her name, but she was named Tony. Her nickname, Tony or tomboy. Um, So she played for the Indianapolis clowns and for the New Orleans Creoles. Um, Clowns? Yeah. Yeah. In the Negro League, they were the Indianapolis Clowns. Yeah. They were a highly theatric team known as the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball. Ah, I wondered about that. I really did. Um, But, so yeah, they let, like, I was like, oh, they got to play for the men's teams. But then I was like, oh, it was only because they didn't have anyone else good to play for the men's teams that they were like, fine. Yeah, the, but the men's Negro teams, right? Yeah. So Mamie Johnson, she she was signed to play in the Negro Leagues with the Indianapolis Clowns in 1955. And she became the first woman to pitch on a men's team professionally. Mm-hmm. And you she was signed for a baseball card. No, but I saw her, but I saw her because, um, oh, and so she, she was, um, and so like the Tony Stone, she was signed with the clowns in 53. And then when, um, Mamie Johnson and them arrived and she was traded to the Monarchs in 54 and she was voted an all-star after hitting 254. And then, so Mamie Johnson she was nicknamed Peanut Johnson because she was five foot three and weighed ninety eight pounds. Oh my gosh! And there was a this guy Hank Bayless. He was a Kansas City Monarch, and he was facing her, and he said, "Quote: Why that little girl's not bigger than a peanut? I ain't afraid of her." And he struck it. She struck his ass out. I love it. And then she retired at age nineteen. Dang. And she went on to get her nursing degree from North Carolina A&T and had a 30-year nursing career at Sibley Hospital in D.C. Oh, and all no. of this struck a memory because remember Monet Davis? She was the pitcher in t- the 2014 Little League World Series. Yes. And uh-huh. in 2012, this is on YouTube, get the tissues out if you're like me, but they met in 2012 when Monet Davis's team was doing a, like a barnstorming thing. 
and they were going around in like a 40 style bus to, to all, like these little league places and they met in Virginia and it's on YouTube and Peanut was there to like telling her like you know giving her all of this advice and stuff and as so sadly Peanut died in 2017 but she was just like a she was just like yeah go out there Monet like do everything it's like a fantastic story and Monet Davis is playing softball now at Hampton University in Virginia. Outstanding. Um, Tony Stone also said that they wanted her to play in a skirt or shorts, but <laughs> she refused. Um, but even wearing men's baggy uniforms did not insulate Stone from comments about her body. Our world remarks Stone wore an oversized shirt to accommodate her 36 bust. Our 36 bust. Um, SARB stood for Society for American Baseball Research. Great. Thank you. That makes sense. Yeah, that's, TD sent us the, her, yeah, that's, that's, that's peanut, man. It's great. I had more because I felt of, you know, I've taken to Googling black women in whatever, and it's wild what comes up. So I found it, uh, black women in baseball. And it did this whole history, like going back as far as 1867, there were the Dolly Vardens and they played around the Philadelphia area and they were listed in papers as professionals. And Miss Ella Harris was a team captain. And there's very few other details besides that and because reporters mostly focused on their uniforms. And then in 1908, we had Sarah Brooker and C.L. Mayberry. They tried to start a league in Springfield, Ohio, but looks like nothing came of that in 2000 and sorry in 1910 st louis hosted the black broncos and they played throughout texas oklahoma mississippi missouri arkansas kansas and louisiana and the plane dealer in 1911 they had an uh, it was in the paper and it said that they were quote only female negro team on the road and the same ads also called the girls a novelty attraction, but a strong team of well-behaved girls. And oh, it also nice. was like soliciting that if anybody wanted to play them. So it was just like white women. There were many black women who were playing baseball in the 1920s and the 1930s and all of this kind of thing. And like we said, the AAGPBL had no black players, but in 1948, they invited seven Cubans to play, which fits oh. nicely into cast because I'm wondering what their skin tone was. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I have a little bit more for cast. Does anybody have anything else? No, Ty. Nope. I have that the the lady training school um, in the in the movie they're sent to this what is it like etiquette class kind of thing where they have to walk with like books on their oh, head. Oh yes, 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 that. yes. And that's cast because that's acting like a lady according to whom? Yeah. That's well, it would be the great conquerors. I believe the great conquerors decided that women should be able to float. Yeah, that's, this is all white Western European standards of what it means to be a woman. So that's cast right there. This movie takes place in 1943, and Jackie Robinson reintegrated baseball. They always say how he broke the color barrier. He reintegrated it. He was signed in 45, and he played in 47. 
Bud Fowler was the first pro to integrate white ball teams in 1878. And Moses Fleetwood Walker, 1884, was the last. Because in 1887, there was a gentleman's agreement where all of the teams got together and decided that there would be no new contracts given to black ball players. And in 1896, the Supreme Court made that legal with Plessy versus Ferguson, which established separate but equal. Mm-hmm. And our Supreme Court today is just drooling over them. So uh, we are to nerd alerts. Hmm? I don't have any. That was mine, so. And a well done. Profit. I have. Uh, do you guys, you guys gotta Google and look up Peanut Johnson. Just awesome. Just it'll just make you feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, nerd alert. So this movie came out July 1992. What did it come out to? What was the world like in 1992? Well, Japan apologized to, um, for forcing Korean women into sexual slavery during World War II. About that. Thank you, Japan. You at least sl- they acknowledged it. Yeah. Look at that. Our bad, our bad. Uh, Yugoslavia breaks up. Boris Yeltsin and George H.W. Bush meet after both sides, uh, USSR and the United States, agree not to target each other with nukes and formally declare the Cold War is over. (laughs) Is it really? Is this? Queen Liz celebrated her Ruby Jubilee. That was 40 years ruling. So yes. Yes. this means that in 1992, my you were 40. Yes. Because your jubilee your I was middle-aged in 1992. You were you were younger than me in 1992. <laughs> That's wild. The space shuttle Atlantis. Uh, goes out into space to study global warming. <laughs> no one's gonna listen, guys. So <laughs> that's a waste of time and money. There was an earthquake in Europe, and I remember it. Remember? Oh yes, I, I remember woke up it well. Because I thought for I woke up mad because I thought for sure my dad was shaking my bed. I and I just I came out like just fist pumping. And I was like, where is he? It was like, no, it's an earthquake. Oh. I thought our upstairs neighbors were having an extremely good time. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. It was like the middle of the night or early, early morning. Yeah. We were all still in bed. In in D.C. and Virginia a few years ago? Yeah. Yeah. And guess where Ma was? Where? Do you remember? In the stirrups (laughs) of a pap smear. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit, exactly. Yeah. Could you give me my underwear? I was living in DC and Chandler just started acting really weird. Like like he was like pacing around the house, the apartment, like being so strange. Like he knew it was coming. Yeah. We yeah. have uh Four police officers were acquitted after beating Rodney King in Los Angeles, and L.A. was having none of it, and rebelled. That happened in 92. But what I, what, whenever I hear 92, I think that after three years, the Bush family came back 
to the continental soil. Came back to the land of round doorknobs. Yeah, came back. Came back in the summertime, and that summer also happened to be the Summer Olympics in Barcelona, Mm -hmm. which is famous because the Dream Team! Mm -hmm. I mean, for 12-year-old Aaron to come (laughs) back to the United States, got myself a puppy dog, and I got the Dream Team. Oh, I was in heaven. Man, I was just watching all the TV, all the commercials, everything. Oh, it was nice. And a special note, because this came out later in November, but Malcolm X. The, the film Malcolm X came out in yes. November 1992. Yes. I got to mention that here now, because when I get to films... So the films that came out, to go back in time real quick, because this movie takes place in 1943... Casablanca came out in 1943. Ah, and I hadn't been born yet. Oh, you hadn't. Coming back to 1992, worldwide, biggest films, number five, Lethal Weapon 3, number four, Basic Instinct. Never seen it. (laughs) You've never seen Basic Instinct? No. Wow. The the sexual thrillers, that's like one of the best (laughs) ones. Uh, number three, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Mm-hmm. Number two, The Bodyguard. <sighs> it's almost like you're going to start singing. And I was like, please. I no. was, I was, but I don't dare. <laughs> and the number one worldwide movie of 1992 was Aladdin. Oh, really? That's yeah. a downer. And I read somewhere that domestically, A League of Their Own was the 10th highest grossing film of 1992. Hmm. Here are the Oscars. Um, I will just say that these are the films that were nominated for the best Oscar in 1992. Again, I pointed out that Malcolm X came out in 1992. <clears throat> Scent of a Woman, which Al Pacino won for best actor. Hoo-ah! But yeah, not, Mal- not, not Denzel. Well. Yeah. Howard's End. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. We must be represented. A Few Good Men. You can't handle the truth. The Crying Game. We've done the Crying Game. Mm-hmm. And the winner, Unforgiven. We are two reheatables, uh, negative. So, you know, I'm just going to jump in there. The treatment of the quotation marks, ugly girl. I mean, come on. Okay, a visual gag, you know, but <laughs> John Lovett's face. But come on. She's, it was Marla, and she wasn't ugly. No, by no means. And then they said that, oh, and then her dad apologized, and it made it sound like, that didn't make it sound, they said that she was ugly because she was raised like a boy. Right. Uh-huh. And then... Yeah. That takes me back to the Western European beauty standards. And look how far. That's probably one of the greatest exports that the colonizers did was that beauty standard of, like, this is what's beautiful. And then her ugliness gets solved when she marries a man, which then makes it that her value was only affirmed by a man. Yeah, and how are none of these baseball players lesbians? Yeah! 
There's like no queerness in it at all. 1992. <laughs> well, also, the only people that look, I mean, spoiler alert, in the ending credit, or, or Tasty Titty, the players playing in the ending credits were actual members of the original baseball league. And I was like, finally, these women look like they actually right played baseball yeah could 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 do a decent job out there on the diamond masculinization of women this was going to masculinize women um that the whole charm and beauty school thing why why do you need to walk like you're floating when you're playing baseball forever and the fact that it was segregated I had, why was Dottie just carrying her mitt around? Like she, like in the beginning, they were just like, like she wasn't even coming from baseball. She was like carrying her <laughs> mitt around. The fact that they call them the girls baseball team instead of the women's. One, like, so they had problems with the, they all got their uniforms and they were all like, skirts, we can't play in skirts, but then they played in skirts anyway. Um, but one of the women's reasons was that my her husband will kill her. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're showing above the knee. This was for the uh, the 40s. You couldn't show above the knee. The one of the rules was no smoking, no drinking, and no men, and that sounds boring to me. And hence, you would have the lesbian women. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. Somebody, there was some quote that said something to the effect of legs always together, a lady never reveals. Yeah, that was in the beauty school. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why you got to see fatal attraction. Basic instinct, more. Oh, sorry. You're getting your sexual thrillers confused. (laughs) And then chewing tobacco. Just. Oh, oh, God. I had that on my negative list as well. Just smoke a cigarette. So disgusting. One time I had a conference with someone. She wasn't, it wasn't tobacco, <gasps> but it was snuff. Isn't and that she, the same? She, no? But she had to have her cup so that she could keep the, during oh, a parent God. teacher conference. I Ew. it was I gagged. I had I it was a really fast parent teacher conference. It was I was gagging. I, oh. I mean, I don't want to like judge people but it was ju- like you're going to a parent teacher conference and you're wow i also once had a father he came to a parent teacher conference that didn't happen frequently but he cut his fingernails during the conference what ew oh my gosh i should have gotten hazard pick just to be that comfortable because it's always wild you'll hear that I <laughs> that works up that one time and somebody was cutting their their toenails and I was just like what yeah but in a way I could kind of understand it because they're at work and they're it was a cubicle type situation but no! you're still like why would you ever do that 
then at the air, then people like in the airports or like public places, you're like, why are you doing that? But then to be sitting across from somebody on what is essentially a one-on-one type situation <laughs> and cutting your nails, it's just, there's just the levels that just go up. Of- you got to dodge them too. Oh my gosh. Oh, that is so, wild. So disgusting. Do you have any others, Teeny? No, those are mine. So I have station wagons just because you just don't see them anymore. SUVs completely just took out the station wagon. It's wild. Yeah, I remember my friend Erin Boomgarden, her family had one of the station wagons that had the seat that sat backwards. And like, that was always the coolest thing. Yeah, I had had friends with a station wagon. Um, when the bus driver, okay, I understand, I, I get where the bus driver is coming from, and he was pretty pissed off, I would be too, but he bends down and picks up dirt and then throws it in the chaperone's face. I was like, that's a bit much. My yeah, it was. Yeah. That's a bit much. Um, I have, man, okay, so it's established that Dot is only playing because of her sister. Because Kit wasn't going to be taken, and Dot was so good that if she came along, then Kit could come along. And that was Kit's dream. So I got that. But I just had a real problem with when she leaves before the World Series. Yeah. So she's just going to leave. And then that didn't make sense to me because it felt like to me that Dot was the kind of woman that she would finish what she started. So, yeah, she wouldn't play the next season. But then she would leave. And then, okay, I get it that her husband came back and a whole scene happened before. So she was shook by the war and it probably made her reprioritize life and stuff. But then what kind of dude is Bob that he's not going to be like, yeah, no problem, babe. I just survived the war. Like, why don't you finish your game? I swear to me anyway. I didn't like the way he looked. (laughs) She don't like Bill Pullman's face. Yeah, it was just, that was wild to me. Um, the song, while it is catchy, I've got specific issues. We've got Canadians, Irish ones, and Swedes. We're all for one. We're one for all. We're all American. Yep. As long as we're lily white. Look how inclusive we are. We got the Swedes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We got our Swedes. Oh, we man. had a few Irish in here. Come you're on. You're even lighter than us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. You're going to tell me that that car with those tires was going to make it from Illinois to Oregon? No. Oh, wasn't there something about the gas tank? Did you see that? No. Oh, my God. Let me look it up. You can keep going. but Yeah, because okay. there was something in the in trivia about that car, and there's no way it was going to make it to No Oregon. way. There was no way. Um, just the, just women on women hate. Like, those, those old ladies, like you were alluding to, Ma, about how, uh, like, oh, th- this can't stand. It's going to make our women more masculine. Uh-huh. I don't, if you like all of the things that the patriarchy says – is this is what makes a good woman and you like that stuff good for you live your truth exactly Go what for does it. that have to do with me <laughs> oh you know? yeah. 
Preach it to the Supreme Court, honey. But that's the whole thing with like the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment, yep. and all of that. It was like nobody's saying that you have to get out of the house and that you must work. You exactly. don't have to. If exactly. you want to stay at home and do that, and if you want to, but the thing is, and then I was thinking about it because when I was younger, I did have like I would bristle with like people who always wear makeup and like have your face all painted and stuff. But then I got older, and I realized like. They, it, that makes them feel good. Right. Like, if you want to do that, it makes you feel good. I'm like, what does it matter to me? It only matters right. to me because it's the, it goes into society saying that this is what makes a good woman is that you like doing this kind of thing. Right. But if they, if they bring it to you, why aren't you doing this? Yeah. It's like, no, I don't, I don't want to. And then you no, you do that. I'm not going to hate you because I'm not going to judge you because you want to do that. I was only judging you because you want to do that because you were making everybody have to do that. Uh-huh. So it's just, it's just like, it's just bullshit. Like you do what you want to do. Jesus. Literally. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> do what you want to do, Teeny. Do what you want to do, Teeny. Um, my mom always told me my face was my billboard to the world. So that's why I wear makeup for so long. Um, and now, you know what? My billboard has dark circles <laughs> and maybe some mascara. Your billboard is beautiful. <laughs> okay, so they had an A, the car had an A gasoline ration stamp on the front windshield. And during World War II, an A ration entitled the holder to four gallons of gas per week. So they were um, from Illinois to Oregon with four gallons of gas. Yeah. <laughs> there wow like look at a map it's not a close drive it's not at all and those states i don't know if you notice it but once you pass the mississippi those states get really big there's a whole lot of real estate there and also there's a giant mountain range that you gotta transverse so Okay, so then my final negative reheatable, it, th- I put it in negative not because of the movie, but because of America. <laughs> yeah. And that is the nod that the black woman gives yeah. to Gina Davis when she basically shows, like, yeah, I, w- I would kick all y'all's asses. Exactly. I'm basically Satchel Page up to this motherfucker, and y'all mm-hmm. don't even know. Oh, man. So... She she throws the ball, and so I know that there's people who read it as like she supports like what they're do like you know game recognizes game where I like I'm a woman and I like what you're doing, but then there's also the the nod of like yeah you know I would beat you and you're exactly lucky. that's how I took it that's how I I think that's how we take it. But there's a whole vast majority of people who don't want, like, that. they read yeah. it, they only see it as, oh, that's a woman, like, nodding another woman. Because otherwise it would hurt their feelings. I know. So then, um, and it's also during the happy, mo- there's happy music, and it's just, and, but the thing with that montage is, like, it's upbeat and happy, but... There's that, and there's also just a series of just, like, that strawberry that's on the woman, and, like, how degrade, like, there's, it's a, it's an upbeat of showing how successful they are, but it's also showing how 
uh, what is, what's the word? Like, antagonist, misogynist, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, because they have to kiss, like, catch a foul ball, get a kiss. It's all yes. kinds of things. Um, so the screenwriters, they were happy because they wanted a more diverse, of course, they wanted a more diverse cast, but because the league didn't, yes. was, yeah, couldn't, they they came up with, um, that's how they came up with, they came up with that scene of the, ba- of the woman throwing the baseball back to at least acknowledge that segregation exists and to mm-hmm. at least put it in there. Um, so he said he was bothered that they couldn't have a more diverse cast, and but they were happy that that scene was a way to make a point. So it was kind of just like, yeah, fuck you, America. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Let me can't have I nice things. included in there. It's like, at first, I mean, I couldn't remember what happened in the movie, and I didn't know, because I hadn't seen it in so long, and I was like, is this girl going to come play? Like, <laughs> woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then it's also, if you think even more into it and unpacking it, as um, there were some people, in, well, and like these other articles that I wrote. Oh, there's a Jezebel article, A League of Their Own. Crying is hardly the only thing, not in baseball, by Rich Jezuiek. And he kind of points out that, like, yeah, th- like this is this whole movie, but the, the thing about the segregation and all of that is that all these white women, then it's kind of the thing that we all, like, we all end up complicit in the system that's holding everyone down. Because Mm -hmm. they then, like, bent to the rules, and and it wasn't like they were like, hey, no, come on, come play. You know, they're like, and and that's kind of what... Either she plays or we don't play. Yeah, Yeah. and Mm -hmm. you just see it kind of, like, that's a a kind of thing that happens, where it's like, what would have happened if we had recognized the intersectionality earlier? But right. now you see it like the, the thing with abortion and how like women yeah. are just like losing their minds and it's like, well, like no shit, you know? It's like it's at this point it's trite, but it is like first they come for so and so and then they come yeah. for so and so and it's like, yeah. yeah, we've been trying to tell y'all and now you're like I can't believe they took my rights away and it's like, bitch, we ain't never had no rights. Yeah, get on board. Like that's what we're fighting for. So. It's just wild, cause, cause that's what you see, and that's that's the part that irks me about like those women with the, this is what it means to be a woman and stuff. It's like, yeah, yeah. you are, you are holding up this thing that is oppressing everyone. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Quotes. Mm. We need the goods. <gasps> the goods. The good, the positive reheatables. Drink. Made a mistake. New game. Every time I make a mistake, you have to drink. Oh, God. You're going to need more. You should be. The PC. The PC. Oh. And I have a nerd alert about what? the PC. The PC. When he's in there peeing. PC. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so he didn't know when it was going to end. Penny Marshall was in a stall with a hose and she kept the hose going and then she would stop it and then she'd start it again. So he didn't know when that was actually going to end. That's just a comic genius. I feel like every time I have to pee in a public restroom, (laughs) I just feel like that. 
And then your reserve tank, because I have a reserve tank, you know? And so like when you really have to pee, then it takes a while for the reserve tank to go, okay, I can release now. So yeah. <laughs> the amount of strangers who have been in a public restroom with us and Ma will go, get your reserve tank. <laughs> Check your reserve tank on a, on a car trip and stuff as a little kid. Make sure your reserve tank is empty. <laughs> or the people who didn't know we were together and I would accost you coming out. <laughs> oh yeah, we would yeah, we would mess with some people, man. Uh, okay, that's um sure only many positives, but that's the one I wrote down. You went with, okay. Well, major titanic vibes in the beginning i think the titanic took their setup yep from oh. this. yeah mm -hmm. old old lady <laughs> thinking back to when she was a young woman she wouldn't she didn't have a walker damn it the suds bucket seemed like a fun place it did oh man that band yeah that band was hella good big band music mm-hmm uh, I would dance if it were like that. Oh, you want to do the swing dancey? Is that what we're saying? Do oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, when they swung him underneath their legs. That looks uh -huh. Gina Davis's jawline. Oh, my God. Could have yes. been, been the MVP. Yes. Well. Yes. <laughs> I was. <laughs> you don't agree? Well, I will save it for my. Nope. I wrote Ooh. the name Bob, but I think I meant that in the negatives, not the positives. Yeah, you didn't like Bob. No. Fuck, because Dr. Bob Boblin. Bob Boblin. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Racing Bell slogan of dirt in the skirt. <laughs> I, I missed that. So it was on their bus, so they were driving away. It's just oh my gosh, I didn't see that. <laughs> Dirt in the skirt. Wow. What and then those good? are my positives. I think I put the rest. I have a couple of my, my MVP runner-ups. Okay. Okay. I have John Lovitz. I know. He's just great. He had a much bigger part, but they had to cut it. Oh, I believe that. His I love him. His character in this film is my work Patronus. <laughs> He's just, he, he is who I want to be and I can't. I'm just sitting here like, yeah. Oh, I just, I just love that man's vibes in this. The train jumping on scene. Like, I never would have gotten on. How, how she, I just love it how when the camera is framed from inside the train and you just see Gita Davis and she'll toss it a, a suitcase and then she disappears <laughs> and then she comes back in frame and tosses it a suitcase and disappears. I was like, man, I love that. I was just like, damn, Penny Marshall. Which then goes into the color palette. Like at the beginning of the film when they're in Oregon and stuff and, and they're doing the train and all of that, it's... uh. It's really orange and brownish and stuff. And then when they get to the ballpark, just boom, how it just that green just pops. Oh, and it's just and also Marla takes off her hat and respect. It made me laugh out loud. She's just like <laughs> oh, 
cracked me up. Oh man, my next one. The little boy still well, and he got knocked out. That was hilarious. Cause that kid had it coming. So so overdue. If you're listening to this and so you haven't overdue. seen the movie, this boy, this little kid, he does get knocked the fuck out. But that was because otherwise, like earlier when he's on the bus, he put his hands over the bus driver's eyes and couldn't see. Honestly, they all should be dead. Is yep. there not a what if they were all dead and this is all just a dream? Because they died. Bobby in the Ewing. Gosh, oh my gosh. Um, how May was a taxi dancer, like Lucille Ball's character in Lord. I didn't realize what a taxi dancer was. I didn't either until and then we had, we did that. Movie, yes. And then this, and that's when I put it all together. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Education right here, people. You're on mute, Dee. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Um, that I was on mute. I didn't think I pressed it. I was gonna say one of my positives was their friendship, May and Doris. Doris. And when they yeah. were talking about uh how they met and Rosie O'Donnell was like, Oh, she was a dancer, I was the bouncer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> her being a bouncer. Other than becoming friends, and in real life they became really good friends. Yeah. And when Rosie O'Donnell's uh, Doris's dad shows up at the end to give her a steak dinner, and then he's just like her, and they're like busting everybody's chops (laughs) and stuff. Which brings me to my next positive reheatable of just how great a summer movie this was. How Mm. it it moves so fast, like you see the runtime, and you're like, oh no, but. I popped this on and it it hooked me. It was fast. It kept moving. There's yeah. all these characters and you feel like you get to know all of these characters and it's just expertly done. It's by far, we've already mentioned it, Madonna's best role. She was so Definitely. good in it. Yes. Ah. And then my next good reheatable is how the end with with a dot and the ball dropping and how everybody is like did she do it on purpose? Did she not mm-hmm. do it on purpose? Mm-hmm. So, where does everyone stand? I think she, I think she did it on purpose. Me too. Because she was too good of a player for that. Yeah. yeah. She said I, Yeah. She said that that uh, Kit wanted it more than she did, which she mm-hmm. knew. Yeah. She was already went to Yellowstone and came back on that magical tank of gas and the <laughs> mystical, yeah. all the way to Yellowstone and the mystical uh, tires that just never popped and those great roads that we had um, and the famous scene where she catches the ball barehanded yeah. you know yeah. her hand is super strong so yeah. it all just adds up to that yes I totally agree and if you're watching the whole movie, trying to figure out where Lori Petty's voice, you've heard it before, you cannot figure it out. I mean, that was three-fourths of it to me. I looked up her her previous stuff, but I didn't see Orange is the New Black there. So now we are to quotables. Pull her leg a while. Mine are already long enough. That was Gina Davis. She was a, she's a tall woman. Mm-hmm. She's I'm a good. peach. 
Who said uh, I'm a peach? I, I think it was Kit. Got on the, yeah. Of course, the infamous, there's no crying in baseball. Yeah. It was like ranked number 47 or something on the top 100 movie quotes of all time. Yes. You think there are any men left in this country who haven't seen your bosoms? That was Rosie O'Donnell talking to Madonna. And then Tom Hanks says, how did I get so useless so fast? Yeah. <laughs> I have, look out, Mr. Hitler, the Yanks are coming. Yes. Uh, we've gathered at Harvey Field to see which one of them can be the most masculine. Mm. Negative. Um, let's let's make like a bread truck and haul bins. Haul buns. Buns. Haul yeah, buns. Says, let's make like a bread truck and haul buns. Hmm. This is. My handwriting went somewhere else. Ma notes. Oh, this was a sad one. Made me feel like I was a weird girl or a strange girl or not even a girl just because I can play ball. Yes. Um, I'm full of peanuts. I got peanuts all over me. Goddamn peanuts. <laughs> and then it's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. The hard is what makes it great. That's right. Now you're on mute. Who's on mute now? <laughs> Aaron? I'm on mute. How, how did that happen? Oh, my oh wow, God. that's weird. I'm next. Ugh. I like when it's uh, this is our daughter, dot sister. <laughs> oh, can't yeah. we introduce? <laughs> oh, I resemble that remark. And then here, just two great John Lovitz lines. If I had your job, I'd kill myself. Sit here, and I'll see if I could dig up a pistol. <laughs> and then this one killed me. I was done for about, I was done for a good five minutes. Just cracking up at this. Are you coming? See how it works is the train moves, not the station. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. Oh. I'd like oh, to see man. his deleted scenes. Jeez. So those are my quotables. Outstanding. So we are to LVP. So I have a runner-up, the telegram. Mm -hmm. I mean, the telegram just, you know, I mean. Mm. But, it, but it was so like, good. because it happened all the time, huh? Yeah. 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 Well, that's that's what's wild about this movie now, and that what even well, what were they Gen Z is gonna have no idea about, because at least we all have a sense yeah. of what it was like when you couldn't, you were there wasn't this, there wasn't this constant communication. Right. Right. So yeah, he there was no way for just any sort of communication. It always took forever, and then those telegrams. And as soon as you would see that man in that, like, that, yeah. that'd be the, 
what a shitty job that was yeah. going and delivering these telegrams. And yeah. then like that guy, that guy, per- like he was just awful at it because he was like, oh, I don't know who it is. The War Department. Now I got to go back. Like, yeah, a lot. It was was this his first day on the job? Is he no, it was now? probably his 100th day, and he'd done it so much. It just, um, yeah, because if you lived in military housing, like I know during Vietnam, you know, they would see the car coming down the street, and, and all the women would be at the window going, whose house is it going to? And exhale if it's not yours, but no, you've got to go and support her now. You got to, yeah. you know, you got to put on your big girl panties and go and support whoever it is who is lost there. That's why it was such, you know, it was the two of them and they're sitting together and they're just both holding their breath. And she walks by and you just see and you see that with Gita Davis, how she just she, she's just relieved. But then it's that like, oh, this is her. And then it's the scene and she's just like crying in her bedroom because that's right. why I. That was the one reason why I was like, okay, I kind of get, like, your your world got, it was a snow globe, and it got shaken up, and it's like, it made you reevaluate everything. So exactly. in that sense, I kind of got how it, and then her husband walks yeah. through the door. Yeah, he walks in, and she's yeah, like, absolutely, no, fuck all these girls. Yeah, so I was kind of like, okay, but she was just so good at yes. this. Like, yes. it's, because I've as being someone who played sports was athletic, but was never that great at it. Like that's just, it's just wild to me when somebody is so good at something and, but you see it all the time, like Whitney Houston, like, Mm -hmm. you know, you just see it all the time where people really have, they have this great special gift, but just, there's just other things. It's just other life. So it's easy for stuff gets in the way. Yeah. It's easy for us to be like, if I had that, I, you know, yeah, that's life. That's life. You mentioned people today not knowing because they have constant communication or whatever. And I learned something. I, I heard something this week. And from here on out, I would like for you to refer to me as part of the Spice Girls generation. Spice Girls generation. And it's oh, makes SPG. A SPG. I was major, major, major fan. Um, but the Spice Girls generation are the only people in history to have both grown up with the internet and to retain childhood memories that predate it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, am I in the Spice Girls? No. <laughs> I no, you're too old. Welcome to well, my world. Primarily in the mid to late 1980s. Yeah. I think Wait. you see a little bit before the Spice Girls generation. Wait, the mid to late 1980s or 90s? 80s. Born in the mid to late 1980s. Oh, born. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I see. I don't think your date falls there. You you just miss it. I'm in the law. Lo- I officially, <clears throat> if you look it up, people who are born in like 1980 are officially the lost generation because they're too young to really be in Gen X and they're no, they're too well. Whatever, they're between Gen X yeah. and millennials. Cause I'm too old really to be a millennial, but I'm too young to be Gen X. I'm like not quite there to be a Spice Girl. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was, I was like in college, and I recognized. I was like, you know what? They got some jams. <laughs> <laughs> I bought that. I bought that album. <clears throat> 
I was like, it wasn't the the first single. It was the right. second one that got me. Mm. And I was like, that's oh. so yeah. So my my real LVP is uh, the song. We're all for one and one for all. We're Americans. That was I hated my real it so much I didn't listen to the words. Um. Uh oh, we lost her. She's on mute again. What happened? I because I was coughing. Up because she was yeah coughing. Oh, up well, your video was also gone on my end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We didn't want to hear the fur ball coming all the way up. I have three LVPs. So, well, now I feel like a dick for saying Dottie being a quitter. But. No. But it's it's all. Yeah. That's what. I get it. But also, like, you're in the. It's not like she just quit. Yes, exactly. Like, like midway through the season. I would have got that. But you're like literally at the World Series. I know. And I know. she could just come back in the last game to save the game and then she fucking blows it on purpose. Yeah. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Like, so oh, actually, she would have done better if she had gone on with Bob. Yeah. Either they quit and quit or don't come back. Yeah. Because they tied it up. It was in a game seven. So they won three. Ga- they lost three without her. And they won three without her. And so then she comes back. Oh. And it's like, oh, we're going to win. And then at the end, she does, you know, she, I mean, then then it's the thing of, of well, who are you going to be the most loyal to? Your teammates or your sister? Yeah. And that's, that's why the, that's what makes it such a good movie. movie. Exactly. exactly. Because it's something that you know, you don't you don't hit stop and you continue to think about it and you go, oh well, there was that. That's what we bring to our public. The also, other little sorry. things that contribute to what makes it a great movie. But then, like, did Dottie and Kit just like not talk ever again? That's the other problem. Yeah, yeah agreed. Like it, like you did her this favor, and they seemingly made up, and then. At the baseball hall of fame, it was like they hadn't seen each other in years. Like, yeah, letter or although the the kids seemed to know her, how many kids did Kit pop out? Like, eight, eight. I don't don't know, they were from Oregon, (laughs) or she had, or she remarried because Dot does make like older Dot makes this comment about like, oh, she's been off traveling with that husband of hers, and so you're kind of like, I don't, yeah. The thing, like, Teeny, we don't know because we didn't grow up with sisters, but from what I've seen, is like, that's sister boss, like, sisters are that's a different animal. You're welcome. I just want to say you're welcome, and I want a whole lot of respect for that. I did, but also remember what I said when you left. (laughs) Don't bring a girl into this house. (laughs) I was like, yeah, you did. We can't take it. (laughs) I have a fuckboy of the year candidate, (gasps) and it's still well. Yes. Yes. And he kind of redeems himself in the end. I liked him in the end, but he was yeah. a terrible fucking kid. I hated him. Yeah. Oh. I, when Madonna was going to beat him, she was like, that's it. She was going to beat his ass. Yeah. 
But then I think my, this is also, I guess, a fuckboy of the year. My OVP is Mr. Dugan sexually harassing the team manager, the team nanny. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. that's right. Whatever she was called. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that was a, that was a hard road to hoe. She had a hard road to hoe. Yeah. yeah, but I think Toddy might be really my LVP because that makes me mad. Yeah. It, there's just so much to it where you, yeah. you're just like, wait, what? What are you doing? Yeah. I have my honorable mention is that Madonna closing credit song. Mm. Just mm. awful. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just imagine... Penny Marshall was like, we have to play this? Yeah. The credits? Yeah. What? This is sh- Material Girl? And this is what she delivers? Yeah. Well, and it, apparently it went to number one? Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just awful, awful song. In my opinion, somebody probably got married to it, so who am I to judge? I am I to judge, and it's awful. My real MVP. Uh, LVP. Oh, yeah, LVP. Uh, I mean, Except you got it. the podcast. Yeah. Well, you, you've made a lot of mistakes, so. <laughs> it's because <laughs> of the drinking game, remember? Um, the, I mean, the segregation and all of that. Yeah. But really, to tie it all in, just all of the misogyny. Yeah, just, just the whole thing, the whole that they need a whole league of their own. Right. And I would, I would like to point out that right now we have the women's professional soccer league that's playing. We have the WNBA that's playing. We have the European women's soccer championships going on right now. The German women's team is in the quarterfinals. And they have a black woman who's a 20-year-old, and she is awesome! So, look at that. Yeah, I'd also like to point out that Brittany Griner is still in Russia. Well, mm-hmm. yes, that's true. But that's also very, very complicated, because a, a whole bunch of different things. I know, but I Every- do feel like if she were uh, male, something would have been resolved by now. Uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's the, it's that thing we were talking about earlier with the Cold War and stuff. Cause we, there's a movie that, um, what's his, Nick Cage was in and he played a real guy that's a, an arms dealer, an international arms dealer, a bad, bad dude. And he's in jail and we have him <laughs> and that's what the trade is. Like, oh, that's, that's what the they, want. they want. Mm. Yeah. So it's kind of this. It's a shitty, shitty, horrible situation. It is. It is. That's, that's not a good dude. But at, at the same time, all of it's true. She's a queer black woman. Yep. And we know how that, you know, that is. So it's just, it's there. But there's, again, there's just so much more to it. So just when you can support professional women's sports turn it on watch it it's great 
MVP. I was so pissed when the WNBA came about, and I had the. So I used to be a a big NBA fan, and then he was like, oh, and the WNBA came about, and so then I had to go to the Sting games. They just put it in your head that they aren't as good, huh? They they do, but now it's the. But the thing is, is it's like when you watch old NBA. If you've ever yeah. watched NBA from the 50s, and they're like, boop, 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 and it's like, they're yeah. all, it's slow and stuff. Yeah, and now, because I didn't watch, I played, with, I played basketball, so I did not, because I didn't like the politics of it, so I did not like, I did not watch the WNBA. I didn't watch college, women's college basketball. I didn't like any of that because of all the politics involved, and it reminded me of all that crap. But now I got back into it watching the college game and all of that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like in these 20 years, you know, women have grown up seeing women play and then yeah. they play more. And men have been brought up where their women are playing. And, like, you know, it's not uncommon. You can just go in and, and go to play games and, and men are much more like, all right, let's see what you got, you know, as opposed to 20 years ago, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, all of that. And you see how like, it's gotten better. And I've heard multiple people say, like sports analysts and broadcasters, say how they prefer watching the women's game to the men's game at this point because the women play defense, the women oh. dunk. Like, you will see dunks, but it's not all above the rim. Oh. There's, I mean, you look at Steph Curry. What he's doing, it's incredible, but that game can be mimicked by a woman because it's not like it's played above the rim, shooting and being a dead eye and and how he goes around playing defense, all of that stuff. It's why soccer, like there's not um there's not a, a huge difference between watching professional women play soccer and men's mm-hmm. soccer. It's the same game completely. Yeah, exactly. So it's like the gap is really closing and it's it's incredible. My MVP is still well getting hit in the face by the mitts. Yeah, that is. That little motherfucker deserved to. <laughs> he needed to be spanked by everybody on that bus. Indeed. My two runner ups Dottie catching the ball one handed. That was mm-hmm. Yeah. Kit, in the end, when Dottie's trying to leave, and Kit was like, you got plenty of time to have kids. Mm-hmm. Shout out to her. But my real MVP is Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell. Yes. Yeah. Because I, like, hadn't seen... I used to watch this movie as a kid, but, like, you know, you don't retain as much. And I could have sworn they were the main characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what you remember. Of, that's the most memorable part. Mm-hmm. They're so good. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I have to add an honorable mention LVP is Kit because she was just such a little like, a brat. yeah. Like, just a, t- she, a total little sister. But she, yeah, she just didn't see how much her sister looked out for her and went right. out of her way. And it was always me, 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 me. I'm like, damn, Kit. <sighs> okay. Is it my turn for MVP? Yeah. My MVP is Gina Davis. Because the first, when I first watched this film when I was 12 and it came out, I think I, I was 
Yeah, I'll be honest and call myself out. I was a little hater. I was a little 12-year-old hater hating on Gina Davis because she looked like that. And I'm like, she don't play baseball. Like, she's not, like, what is, what are we doing? Thelma and Louise, I don't know which one she was. But I had seen that film, and she's here, and she's all being beautiful and playing baseball. And I just didn't buy it, you know, kind of like what Teeny was saying earlier. Like, what is this? But in the years since this film has come out and I've gotten older, like, Gina Davis has just done (laughs) such wildly impressive things. She's a member of Mensa. Yeah, that's what I was just looking up. Which Is she a Rhodes Scholar? She has an IQ in the upper 2%. And so I had to look up Mensa. Yeah. 2%? Yeah, listen to this, Teeny. So Mensa is a roundtable society where ethnicity, color, creed, national origin, age, politics, educational, and social background are all completely irrelevant. In fact, the only relevant qualification for membership is scoring within the upper 2% of the general population on an improved intelligence test. So yeah. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. She's all that. She almost made the 2000 Olympic team in archery. Yes. What? Yeah, yes. listen to this quote. What? Listen to yeah. this, TD. I'm telling you, she's awesome. Listen, she said, quote, I never thought of myself as athletic, but I was actually really good at everything. So this is some of the stuff that she did because she did baseball. She she did baseball because she had to learn baseball for this film. But with yeah. this, but she said with it, like specifically with this, like she had to learn her swing, but you know, she would just have to, to practice the swing and make it look good. She didn't really have to hit the home run because she just did the swing and then the, the crew would make the ball fly. But she still had to like learn baseball. She had to learn fencing, horseback riding, and ice skating, all for roles. Because after this movie came out, it was kind of a, a similar thing happened with like her and Charlize Theron, how. At first, when they first come out, you're just like, oh, all right, like, jam, you're, you're attractive and, like, seem really cool, awesome. But then they started doing these physical, like, badass roles where they're all physical and doing action-y shit. And you're just like, oh, damn. And so that came after this movie. Um, so then this is how she got into archery. She got into it by watching the Olympics in 1996. So wow. basically what everybody does when the Olympics comes on, she did. She was watching it. She was looking at archery. She was like, you know what? I wonder if I would be good at that. And then she started it. And then she, like, really trained. She she did it, like, six days a week. Like, did a full training. And so then at the Olympic trials, she it was out of 300 people. She came 24th after doing archery for two years. Damn. So she, I mean, that's incredible. So then she moves on, and I'm sure she's she has a couple of kids. I think she's got, like, three kids. So she's watching uh, children's TV with her kids, and this Mensa brain of hers is like, hmm, something seems off here. And she noticed that the screen representation was three to one male to female ratio of these little of the little kid programmings of all the programmings. It was always three male characters to every one female character. And she was like, that don't seem right, because here we are showing these kids something. So what are we showing our little girls? We're showing our little girls that they make up, take up less space than males do. 
when in reality females are half of the population and we have an incredibly diverse population and so she went to kid programmers because she was like this seems kind of easy because kid programmers like the reason that they make these programs are because they care about kids and they they they're into data of what to do to help stimulate kids minds and stuff so she went and collected all this data and went to kids programmers um showing that the age that from young ages how kids are taught that women take up less space in the world and they're like wait what we don't Oh, we're doing that. Like it's that thing of that they had no idea that they were that that's what they were doing. Probably because so many of them were male in the first place. Oh, no. So in 2007, she establishes the Gina Davis Institute on Gender and Media. Mm-hmm. And in 2019, oh, she's awarded the Jean Hirschholt Humanitarian Award for her work in fighting gender bias on and off screen in Hollywood. Like, she's just using that Mensa brain of hers to just be like, exactly. all right, like, this is an easy thing that I that I can do because, um, and she she even said that she went up to all the studios, like Fox, Warner Brothers, and she didn't know how they were going to react. And they were like, all right, here's your data. And th- they were like very, they had no idea that, that that's what they were doing. Uh-huh. And they were very receptive to it. And so she's just, she's just like in the background, just like tweaking away, just doing these small little things. And, and then she, I, she was in some show where I think she's playing like the president and she wanted like the presidential character to have something that was some sort of physical activity that was something that was kind of different from like how she was in the archery. So she was like, oh, well, it's the president. What about rowing? She could row on the Potomac. So then she's like, like the article I read, I don't know from what year it was. She was like, so I'm going to try my hand at rowing now. Like, how old do you have to be to be a competitive rower? So let's see what happens. She could end exactly. up. Exactly. The sky's the limit with her. It's it's just crazy that, I mean, it's not her. Like, she just has that face and she's tall. Like, that didn't, you know, that, that doesn't have anything to do with, their, like, you know, like she was born that way and, and she emphasizes it to a great extent. But then just to have all of this other stuff behind it. And I was like, look at me as a little kid dismissing her the way that, that they mm-hmm. dismissed Marla, you know? And meanwhile, mm-hmm. yeah, she was a badass baseball player and, and could do all of these crazy, like, that's what, and she noticed, she had never done anything athletic. And then she's in this movie and she was like, oh, I was actually really good at it. And she, uh, she's like, I'm actually a really good athlete. Wow. You do. Just, yeah, you know? it like took her like a couple weeks to master something that, that they expected to take a couple months for her to master. So she's just very delightful. She's definitely MVP. Okay, so I did a I did an abbreviated casting. I mean, I just did okay, two sisters. It's gotta be they gotta be white to, to stick with the times of the movie. Do they though? Well, they did in my recasting. And so I just did Dakota and Elle Fanning, but the younger sister, I I took Elle to be Dottie because... She's taller. And I think she's taller and um, that's what I did. Mm -hmm. Wow, great job. Really went above and beyond for that one. (laughs) 
I was trying to do it, Jimmy, but I didn't. And so there you are. You know what? What you got this week is what you got, and you're welcome. Teeny, did you have a casting? I don't. Oh, really? Well done with that one. <laughs> All right. Well, fuck your recasting of a new Liga Nero. We're making the Peanut Johnson movie, and Peanut Johnson is being played by a man, Mandela. Huh? I thought you were going to cast Peanut herself. I am. Well, she's passed. But Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Peanut. But as Peanut Johnson, Amandala Steinberg. And that's. that's yes, yes, yes. Y'all fill in the cast. We're yes, making yes, the yes, Peanut yes. Johnson film. Yeah. Oh, good. I like that. Green light it. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I think she actually looks a little bit like Peanut. She kind of has her. I think she can capture the the little peanutty vibes. So, when I was in Germany and I was pregnant with you, and it was always a cattle call for uh, for the prenatal, like okay, picture this. <laughs> <laughs> this is a a World War II hospital in Germany, Landstuhl. So all these pregnant women would go and do their urine samples. We'd have our little urine in a cup. I tell you, there were 50 of us lined up in a hallway. They just and brought you in on one day? It was the... I'm telling you. <laughs> and we would all stand there in the hallway with our urine cups, and they would come by with the little dip thing that would tell you if, if you had an issue or not. Yeah, it was... It, Poppy there was, was that laboratory that was just in the hallway. Poppy would actually do a mooing voice because it was like <laughs> cattle. It was a cattle call. But when you had your internal exam, it was it was in a in a little room with a doctor, and he said, "Let's see how this peanut is doing." So that reminds me of you being a little peanut at the time. Anyway, um. So we are two tasties. I wonder why that came up. What? Peanut Johnson. I was really wondering where we were going. Um, it reminded me of that. So I have that. Um, during downtime, the cast would perform for the unpaid extras, like the the people who would be in the stands, people of color integrated with you know white people. Although that wouldn't really happen. Tom Hanks would do a puppet show. Rosie O'Donnell would do her stand-up. And the others would sing Madonna songs because Madonna had no part of it. If she wasn't getting paid, Madonna wouldn't do Madonna stuff. So everybody else did her song. Uh, I wonder if, to be fair to Madonna, like, maybe that's true. But then also maybe it could be true that Madonna was like, but I don't, I need my stage. I need the lights. Like, I put on a whole show because like madonna i like oh, madonna is super given. talented but Understood. it's not like she's right. no uh dino washington if you know what i mean yeah 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 she's not yeah okay that bruise on renee coleman's mm -hmm. thigh was for real though and it it lasted over a year it took over a year for that bruise to that go was away. real that was real um this was inspired by Dottie Collins, who was a pitcher, and she pitched 17 shutouts 
in the first season, right? Um, in some years, can't read my writing. Um, none of the actors wanted stunt doubles. They all wanted to do their own stunts. Oh, I love that. It was 110 degrees when oh. they were doing that, um, that last scene. And those uniforms were made out of wool. <gasps> so not only like when they're sliding, because I could have never mastered the slide, <laughs> as we all know, I fall down really well, but not elegantly and going to a, you know, like. I would say, well, I would say that you don't fall down quickly. That's true. It takes a long time for mm-hmm. me to hit the ground. But um, so that scratchy wall against your um, skin wasn't going to be any help when you are sliding into home. Oh, man. Um, this showed that the, the female league needed to, to stack the stands, but actually the female league was profitable from the beginning. People wanted to come and see baseball. They were going to come and see babes doing baseball if they had to. They wanted Christopher Walken to be Walter the Candy Dude. I was Walter the Candy Man. I would love to see... I lost it. Yeah, that wasn't it. But um, Farrah Fawcett wanted in, but she was too old. she been she would have been like I mean okay okay 92 she was she was hot in the 70s like 75 she was at her like the old lady part yeah. yeah but you're but there could have been a woman who had been playing baseball because like I said women ha- had always been playing baseball so yeah, she should have been pretty huh yeah she have been too old yeah they used a slip and slide to teach him how to slide into the base. I love that. Uh-oh. And a bunch of them got concussions yeah. from that. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, initially, John Belushi was supposed to be Jimmy. Laura Dern was supposed to be Dottie. Wait, wait. When did John Belushi die? You mean Jim Belushi? Didn't John Belushi die in the 80s? That was the research I did. <laughs> the only wow. research. But listen to this. You know I'm who listening. else was considered for Jimmy? Who? Paul? Paul Dooley. Wow. Oh, would that have been great? Oh because originally, Jimmy was supposed to be like 60 and dried up. So yeah. Tom Hanks was supposed to be way too young for this. Yeah, they didn't he think he was too young to play the role? Yeah. But then they were going, but you could it could be somebody who had an injury and it had to leave before he was ready to leave, which would definitely add to the Jimmy part. And he was an alcoholic, so there's that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Did you find out which Belushi died? No. Well, it was 
John Belushi died in 82. Yeah. So. Well, <laughs> maybe so, like, they wanted him to play it, but he was dead. So maybe, yeah. maybe they, they said, you know, we need a John Belushi type. I mean, if there's anything we've learned this week, it's that you just, just point a telescope and that's a time machine. So what is time really? Really? And when you're doing your research on the internet, it can all be false. But Jim was around. Jim was doing things. Others. Uh, I think he, we already said that the ladies who were playing in the credits were actual members of the, they actually played in the league. Uh-huh. But also, didn't they say in the the Baseball Hall of Fame, like the pictures were the actual team? Yes, I think so. I think so. Probably. Yeah. But they weren't inducted into the Hall of Fame. They just have a permanent, um, a permanent. Display? Yes. Hmm. It says. I mean, says, you know, let, let's not go crazy. Wait, they didn't induct them. They just gave them a permanent display. Yeah. Because the, the first woman who was inducted was like a part owner and that came way later. So, but and then I have a qualm with their thing. Matt, that wasn't Matt. That was Mom. <laughs> I have a, I have a nit to pick with their the the women in baseball because mm-hmm. it seems like it should be white women in baseball. Well, that's true. Added, exactly. Exactly. You know, peanut and and them to. To the yeah display. Um, I have that there was a short-lived CBS show. Yes, it only ran for five episodes. And Carrie Lowell, who was on the original Law and Order, she replaced Gina Davis and was Dot. What year was that? Oh, it was in the early '90s. But hold on, hold your horses okay, because you what's coming? Yeah, August twelfth. Ugh. 2022, Amazon Prime, A League of Their Own. Yep, Abby Jacobson, Darcy Carden, Nick Offerman, and (gasps) Nick Offerman! Shantae Adams, so there's a black woman! All right. Well, they better address all that shit. I'm I'm sure they are. I mean, you got Nick Offerman, Abby Jacobson, Darcy Carden. Yeah. So it's so exciting. It's it's gonna be great. We already mentioned this how uh, Linda Cartwright played the older Gina Davis and it was based on her likeness and mannerisms because she did look just like her. At first but... I was like, is that her and old people? I know. That's that's what I thought, and that's what they wanted to do at first, but then they couldn't, in 1992, like, the makeup, it wasn't where it needed to be, and yeah. also, they, it would have been, like, too much money to make the makeup be where they needed to be, and it was a real, they were like, is this gonna work by casting different people, but, so, Linda Cartwright, um, she had a small part in the film The Apartment, she had a very, very small part, she was, I think, like, an elevator operator, okay. counter lady, um, but, her voice, I was like, wait, because she sounds exactly like Gina Davis. Yeah. As in yeah. her, you know, when you age, everything ages, including your voice. Yeah. And so, 
yeah, in fact, they did. They dubbed her voice. It was that was Gina Davis's voice. Because I was like, my God, she sounds just like Gina Davis. I know. I was so confused. It kind of took me out of it because I wondered why they did that. Because again, she's her voice sounded super young. Because as you age, everything ages. You just get your voice gets more character. Oh, um, that's right. As as does everything else, your face. Yeah, your body shape. It's called character. Yeah, it's badges. You level up. You've made it this far. Yeah, you have. Look at my new reading glasses. <laughs> That's what it's called. You got uh, Tracy Reiner. She played Betty Spaghetti. She I was love also. That game. She was also in Jumpin' Jack Flash, When Harry Met Sally, Apollo Thirteen. Her mother is Penny Marshall. She oh. claims. That she got this role for when a brief moment in time when her mom was not attached okay. to this film. Oh. But, but her mom watched this, uh, the documentary on TV and was like, we need to make this into a movie. So I'm kind of like, like, it's Hollywood. Nepotism is a thing and you were great. Nobody's saying, like, exactly. You Move were horrible. On. Um, I read somewhere that Penny Marshall actually went to women writers and they didn't want to write this film. Hmm. And I, it kind of makes sense in 1992. I could kind of see that if you were a woman in Hollywood and you were a writer, that you, it would be very political because mm-hmm. you would get typecast as, mm-hmm. oh, you just write. Feminist. Yeah. Yeah, or like you wouldn't be able to get another role because another job because oh you just write women's things like I think the same thing happened with the screenwriter who wrote Thelma and Louise if I'm not mistaken um the there were many injuries in this Anne Ramsey who was one of she was I knew her face because she was the sister in Mad About You which was a TV show in the 90s um, she was one of the characters on the Rockford Peaches. She broke her nose during the filming. She, well, you, you would see her, and I'm sure you recognized her, but she played Helen Hunt's sister. And yes, like, yes, I, like, oh, I totally yeah, recognized her, yeah. So I listened to this podcast called uh, Based on a True Story, and it was the A League of Their Own episode. Oh. And... They went through all of the things that were... Because a lot of this was fictional. So, in fact, baseball did not stop during the war. Because FDR, he wanted the workers to have something to entertain the people. So the people who... Like, the, the men who weren't able to go overseas and the women who were working in the factories and all of that stuff, supporting the troops, he wanted them to have something to take their minds off of the war and all of that. So he was really adamant that... Major League Baseball continue playing. Um, Harvey, the chocolate tear, he's actually based on William Wrigley. And Wrigley, as in Wrigley Wrigley Gum, Gum. Mm -hmm. also Wrigley Field. He owned Mm -hmm. the Chicago Cubs. Uh He wanted women to play in the stadium when the Cubs were playing away games. As a way to make more money. Oh, okay. Because think about it. This, this it's is all this about is, money. Exactly. That's the, and that's exactly why Major League Baseball also the color line got rebroken with yeah. Jackie Robinson 
it was about that that green. The answer mm-hmm. to everything is money. So he wanted when the, the stadium because at this time they didn't it was they didn't have I mean the first major league baseball game was televised in 1939, but it, a lot of people didn't have televisions. It was still very radio. So he wanted like all right, our baseball team is away. Why don't you come to the ballpark and watch professional women play? That was a way to get people to come in the gate money. In fact, the league lasted more than one year. It went from 1943 to 1954. I point this out to show how I said how he wanted the, the games to play when they were away. If you notice the year that it ended, 1954, 1951, the first game was televised in color. In 1955, the World Series was televised in color. I feel, methinks, that the professional women's game ended because of that sweet, sweet green that was then the broadcast rights to televise game. And that then people would stay at home to watch on TV the Cubs play their away games. Right. Can I I digress a moment to an MVP I just thought of? Mm -hmm. That they did bring up that during the war, they, they... incentivized wanted women to get out and go to factory jobs to take over the factory jobs that the men weren't there to do. Mm-hmm. And then it was, so now you want them to go back to the kitchen. It was brought up real briefly, but yeah. it was brought up. All right. So that's wild because it's recording all three of us, but I can't hear either of them talking. So we'll just finish this out real quick. We with- are. The baseball rules, they were baseball rules, but they had a softball foundation. So they used a softball, and they pitched underhand, and the mound was 40 feet, not 60 feet. But unlike softball rules, they could steal bases. But then the bases were actually a shorter distance. But then Uh over time, the rules kind of continuously changed, and then it became... That a mix of overhand and underhand and all of that kind of thing. Okay. So there was all of that. I watched, to just give out my credit, I watched a Drunk History episode, and there was based on a true story podcast, and then there was also Black Women in Baseball by Leslie Hemphy article that I also read. Outstanding. Dini, so, take it away. Okay. That is A League of Their Own, which we all love. Um, stay tuned for the show coming out on August 12th. Next week is my pick. And we're going to stay in the 90s. Okay. We're going to go to 1994. 94. Let's see if there's any guesses. Forrest Gump. No, it's not Forrest Gump. Um, some of the clues are infidelity plot twist oh and <laughs> i have to type these infidelity plot twist i like a plot twist imprisonment <laughs> hey i'm not typing i'm not spelling oh that was a good imprisonment <laughs> i typed imprisonment um based on book Okay, I'm gonna go with Primal wait. Fear. No, not Primal Fear. I'm gonna go with um, 
Oh, this would be way too long though. Ray Fines, Kristen. The usual suspects. No, um, I'm trying not to give you the ugh. prison escape. Oh, wait, not Alcatraz, not, um, 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 voiceover letter. There's a, a voiceover letter. Oh, she could see the much. English patient. No, I thought that would be way too long. The Shawshank Redemption. Yes. Oh, excellent. I, oh my God. Oh, excellent. Oh, oh, I love this film. Oh, I have seen it, but not, I mean, I couldn't tell you one thing about it except for Morgan Freeman. Yeah, and and uh, dude, um, you know. Yeah, sure. I still don't know anything about it. Tim Robbins. Yes, Robbins. and I haven't seen it in a really long time, so this is perfect. I was listening to an episode of The Daily this morning. The Sunday read was, want to do less time, a prison consultant might be able to help. And it was about having a prison consultant like help you find where you're gonna go to prison. Outstanding. Oh, yeah. that is a that is a true outstanding film. Okay, yeah. listeners. There you go. <laughs> oh, let's see if we can time this one. Yeah, hopefully next week we'll all be together. Yep. And we'll do saucing redemption. So there you go. Bye. Bye. Bye.